John Kerry spoke at the WEF, and he said, how do we change the way people are thinking about this, meaning the WEF, and talking about it? And this was an important, I think, first uh, comment to make, because there is a negative connotation towards all of these billionaires, thought leaders, as they claim, uh, gathering together for these keynote presentations and so much else. Are they all bad? Well, for my listeners, I watched a number of the keynotes, and I'm going to review and highlight some of them today. And we're going to talk about what is good and what is bad, what's being presented that you should know, as well as what's in the background. Sure, we have a public-facing website, weform.org. We can watch these speeches. But what's happening behind closed doors? That we do not know. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. America Emboldened. Greg, I feel emboldened. You don't know the founding fathers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode. So glad that you're here. As always, you can follow along on Twitter for daily updates at RealGregBolden or go to my website, AmericaEmboldened.com. But make sure that you're going to the AmericaOutloud.com page too to see all of the other great hosts and content that we have there, as well as to visit our sponsors. Get straight into it. The WEF is now in its third day. I'm following along so my listeners do not have to. However, as I'm following along, I realize it's probably important that my listeners do go to weform.org and click on the program tab. When you click on program tab, you'll see that they have all of the sessions and you click on them and you can watch them. So for all the people that are saying, you know, what happens at the WEF, you have the ability now to watch every single session that's publicly listed. Now I'm also cognizant. This is what's publicly listed. We don't know what's happening behind closed doors, what type of meetings, but there's a ton of info to be learned. I have a feeling that if these stay up for multiple weeks, I'm going to wind up watching the majority of these. I've actually enjoyed them. I'm going to be honest with my listeners. I've learned from watching them. Some of the things that I've learned have scared the bejesus out of me. Not going to lie. Like, realizing that the electric vehicle um, whole process and the the talk called reinventing the wheel, if you get a chance to, to listen to that one, Toyota came straight out and was like, yeah, we don't have enough lithium by 2040, let alone to look at by 2080. Uh, we will take 15 years or 16 years to establish these mines and lithium's too much of a limited resource. So this whole electric dream, it, it's not happening. And this shocked me to hear such brutal honesty uh, at these uh, speeches, the, the sessions that are being offered. So I highly recommend go to weform.org, click on program and find a topic that you want to learn more about and watch it. I'm going to cover 
several topics on today's show from this program. But before I do, I got to go back to John Kerry. The reason I started the show off with what he said about people changing the way. He then went on to attack um, the people that are skeptical of the WF. He said, why is it allegedly, why is adult human beings, CEOs, United States senators, want to ignore science, mathematics, and physics, and somehow cannot bring themselves to do what we need to do? Well, John Kerry, perhaps it's because these wise adult human beings are not allegedly wise adult human beings, that they are simply exercising the brain cells that they have and looking at data around science, mathematics, and physics, and understanding that there is more than one way to interpret the data. So this shot by John Kerry at the beginning, it becomes very apparent. I'm going to play you some audio in just a second. He continues to say, it's extraordinary that we, a select group of human beings, because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives, right, were selected to speak. Who appointed these people? Who elected these people? Let, let, let's hear his audio. I want you to hear kind of the arrogance uh, from John Kerry to start off. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we, select group of human beings, because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives, are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever, and, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. Is that where we are, John Kerry? You know, is that where we are? We're going to politicize immediately in your speech that saving the planet is something that is controlled only by the left, controlled only by Democrats, that all of a sudden there's this uh, moral authority of the left over everybody else. I, I don't believe that that's true. I believe that we see things differently. But I'll tell you what's extraterrestrial. I'll tell you what's out of this world. What's extraterrestrial is the fact that there are individuals that live on this planet that think that they are completely superior to all other individuals that live on said planet. You know, if I decided that I wanted to create a group here in my state and we're going to have a forum and in this forum, I'm going to bring all the people that I believe are some of the smartest and brightest that I've ever met. And during these sessions, we're going to talk about topics the way that I see fit. We're going to ask questions the way that I do. And then at the end, we're going to say to all of the world's leaders, we spoke here in Delaware at the America Emboldened uh, <laughs> Forum, and we decided what the rest of the world needs to do. Who the hell gave you guys the authority to make decisions for the rest of the world? And this is why they are bringing in who they're bringing in. This is the reason why the intelligence agencies are there. It's the reason why the entertainment industry is present. This is why we have select governors, which this doesn't make sense to me, right? I, I was reading off the list a few days ago of which governors are there. Why? Why do we only have several governors from the United States as part of the WEF? 
what makes a governor so special to set global policies and to talk about global agendas over another governor? Why not all the governors get invited? Uh, <laughs> I understand that might fill up things, but here we have a bunch of people filleting themselves over the fact that they all drove or flew their private jets into this airport. What type of carbon credit is that right there? All right. And while they fillet one another, they're sitting there going, oh, look at this. We need to cut the admissions. We need to have uh, zero net carbon, zero emissions coming down into the future. That is alien, John Kerry. That is absolutely alien. And moving on to this whole part of you got to be a tree hugger. I care about the environment. Uh, I'm not quite sure that I identify in the sense of a Democrat. I also don't identify as a Republican. I identify more as a libertarian. But I care about leaving good stewardship to my children. And if there are things that we're doing that I see, I see that the pollution of trash. I watch as a landfill here in my home state now looks like a mountain where I don't even have a mountain. Uh, I watch as we need to figure out how the aqueducts from that water runoff is going to eventually harm the drinking water for my own children in the state and have cancer rates go up. These are things that I'm concerned about. When we talk about the Earth's lithium supply, the people that are worried about the Earth's lithium supply are the same people that are worried about how we're going to get all of the gas vehicles off the road. So, Imagine my surprise when I start watching these sessions and I realize that that's not the plan of everybody, that some people are over at the WEF at these sessions and they're talking some common sense. Hmm. This makes it very interesting to me. Now, there's one other thing before I get into the, the, the parts of today and the sessions that I watched that I want to point out. So a few days ago, I was watching WeForum.org and their very first thing that they did before the session was they awarded Idris Elba, his wife, as well as some others in the entertainment industry, uh, the Crystal Award Ceremony. It was uh, Hilda Schwab, Klaus Schwab's wife, she was presenting, um, Maya Lin and Renee Fleming. Now, Renee Fleming is an actress, and she stated, and it was just really super odd to me to hear this, she stated that they needed to marry the theater and the arts with the healthcare system. Didn't we see that on TikTok? Didn't we see theater and arts with doctors and nurses dancing while people were reportedly dying in mass numbers and mass graves at their hospitals? Uh, didn't that just take that stress off you of being locked down in your house, not able to go places, just to see all these nurses just chilling out, having a good time? And again, I don't want to pile on to the, to the healthcare workers. If that's what it took to get you through what you needed to get through, fine, well, and good. But a lot of it looked very staged to the point of it hurt the public perception. And we'll get into that with one of the sessions that I ended up watching. But I want to talk about these Crystal Awards. All right, so follow me on this for just a quick moment. Are you aware of what crystals are used for in the spirit world? I was not. I am now because of a student that I had last year. And I might have talked about this on a previous show, but I'll give more details this time. My students and I had brought a uh, ghost hunter onto uh, our program to record a show with. And when we brought him on, he ended up doing kind of like a, a seance, so to speak, with the spirit box to see if we could contact spirits at our school building. 
Now, I was looking at this more from a standpoint of, okay, this is going to be funny. This is lighthearted. Um, I didn't realize the absolute crap show that I was about to embark upon. Crazy stuff started happening. Like the spirit box started telling us things that it shouldn't have been telling us. And this person's on the complete opposite way. It's turned all the way up. They eventually, I, I didn't believe what I was hearing. I thought that maybe we were getting tricked. So I was like, let me put the, the headphones on. And what ended up happening was just insane. Uh, in our infrared cameras, we had things moving around that looked like water droplets. And as somebody who has worked in this industry for as long as I have, I try to talk to other people to find out what else I could be seeing on that infrared camera. And no one could come up with what it was other than water droplets. And come to find out, uh, I knew this ahead of time, but we had a student years ago drown in our pool at the high school. And somehow the spirit box communicated that with us. And it did not make me feel comfortable at all. Eventually it started yelling at us to get out and certain specific students. Um, and so we wrapped that up pretty quickly. Here's where the crystal comes in. And here's why I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up at the beginning. The next day, a student comes up and says, Mr. Bolton, I heard what happened in class the other day with the ghost hunter. You really opened up something that you should not have opened up. And I said, well, wait a minute. I didn't open up anything. This guy came in. It was all in good fun. She goes, no, it's not in good fun. She goes, you don't play with spirits. And I heard the way the guy did it and he did not do it right. You're all in danger. And I'm sitting there going, all right, the, uh, the Catholic in me that was raised for years in Catholic schooling definitely knew we weren't supposed to play with Ouija boards or spirits. So I'm listening and I was like, well, what am I supposed to do now? She goes, let me use the bathroom. I'll be right back. I'm like, okay, that's weird, but go ahead. She comes back from the bathroom. She goes, starts walking up to me. I'm at the front of the classroom and she puts a crystal in my hand, like a rock that's crystallized. I said, what is this? She goes, I need you to put this next to your bed when you go to sleep. It will trap any bad spirits. I said, how will that happen? And she goes, well, in the spirit world, she goes, I'm a witch. In the spirit world, we use crystals in order to put our intents on them to make things happen that we want to have happen. And I want any spirits that might have followed any of our students home to be trapped in the crystals so you don't have any bad things. And I said, well, how's that work? She goes, well, it's intent. I put the intent on the crystal and crystals hold our intent. So I'm looking at this crystal award ceremony that we give Idris, we give Sabrina, Maya, and Renee. And we just, I have to wonder, was there intent put onto the crystal? I know that sounds really crazy, but the people that understand the, <laughs> the elements of the world, if these people really are the billionaires, the thought leaders and everything else, if they really understand the different world religions and everything else, they've got to understand what a crystal represents and what it means. Now, does that mean that they're all satanic worshiping uh, warlocks and witches? I don't know necessarily that that's the, the hill I'm willing to die on, but I think that I want to stay open to the fact that they're giving crystals to the entertainers. The entertainers are talking about how they need to influence the rest of the world, marrying entertainment and healthcare, marrying sports and the world for messages to make one this communication, which I talked about yesterday. I can't help but wonder that they put their intent on to a crystal and their intent is to help use individuals as vehicles to try to put these words out. All right, so the World Economic Forum, 
now that we have that established, they have this program. You can go to the tab. You can watch these sessions. On the second half of the show, I'm going to talk about a couple different sessions that st stood out to me. I did not have enough time. It would take me hours to watch all the content, but I'm going to talk about battery passport regulations. I'm going to talk about reinventing the wheel, the state of the pandemic, and we're going to end with the quantum tipping point. You're not going to want to miss what I'm going to tell you. This will save you some time from watching these, but I also highly recommend that you do check them out. Uh, so in just a few moments, when we come back from the break, we'll have that. Now, we're going to go break so we can hear all these great sponsors of the show. You can help sponsor my show. You can go to AmericaEmboldened.com. I have t-shirts for sale, coffee cups. You know, when I say grab yourself a cup of coffee, whatever it is that you're into, the coffee cup there, I think you'll like it when you see it. Uh, but you can get t-shirts, hoodies, whatever it may be. Every single sale of those items does go directly to me in order to help support my efforts in creating this content for you to help educate you so you don't have to do it all on your own. And so I would appreciate you doing that. And then go visit all the sponsors of our America Out Loud Network. We have some great companies you hear me talk about all the time. Uh, the Genesis Fogger, www.genesisfogger.com backslash out loud. Get a discount on your own just for listening to the show. What a wonderful opportunity and make sure you're visiting all the others there too. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden. That's me here on the America Out Loud Network. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, Keep your face always toward the sunshine, and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all.
Welcome back, Bold Americans. Second half of the show. We're going to get straight into I told you we got four topics that I ended up watching uh, in order to understand a little bit more about what's going on at the World Economic Forum. And again, weform.org. You can see all of this for yourself. Just click on the program tab, click on the day, and they have all of their sessions that are public facing. And you can watch them. They're recording all of them. I highly recommend it, right? So I just went to yesterday's presentations and I saw some that kind of piqued my interest. And so the first one was about why we need battery passports. And here's the big takeaways that I, that I heard from this. Back just a month ago in December, the European Parliament put in a uh, agreement, a, a preliminary agreement, that by 2026, battery passports need to be mandatory. Now, what does that mean? What that means is where a battery is sourced from, the materials that are inside it need to be completely trackable. So that way, you know, if a battery came from this mine and went to this country, which wound up in this device, whether it's a car or some type of other electronic, when it's broken back down, we have the travel of the lithium. We have the travel of all the different uh, parts and components that made up that battery together. And what I did not know as I listened to this was the Inflation Reduction Act you know, what the Democrats passed through the, the 300 plus billion dollars that included guidance that makes it very likely that the United States will also need to adapt the battery passport. They expect this to go global. Now, why is that a bad thing? I'm listening to this and at first I'm going, okay, well, this makes sense. We want to make sure that we know how much of a resource that we have, which mine it's coming from, who's relying on which mine. And it's all supposed to be out of equity, right? Now, if you followed the Joe Rogan show, I don't know how many of my listeners listen to Joe Rogan. He did an episode just a few weeks ago about the working conditions in these mines. And basically, uh, we are uh, not getting our materials from great working conditions. We're in abusive working conditions. When we get the battery passports, I, I'm curious Will this fix those conditions in those countries so that we are not so um, predatory towards our needs? I don't know. But here's what I did learn from the battery passport regulations. This goes really well into this next segment as well. So as we are starting to track this, the one thing that really comes to mind with regulations, with these type of mandates that are going to come in, we're going to get rising cost, right? So we're going to inflate the cost of needing to create these batteries from where they are now. Now, if you're okay with somebody being a slave in order to put the battery in your Tesla or batteries in your camera gear or whatever it may be, well, then you and I are probably of two different types of uh, thought process. I'm not okay with the horrible working conditions. When I hear about what it takes to put iPhones together and stuff like that. I do believe we have this blind eye standpoint here in the United States where we like to think that everything was just sourced in such a great way and uh, just remain blind to it. I would love for us to go back to made in America, finding out here's the resources that are available in this country and we're going to do it ourselves. And so that way we're not, um, as I was using the word earlier, predatory towards others. But that's what's causing these battery passport regulations. They need to find a way 
in order to, how are they going to break it all down? Because their concept is to take the net zero carbon emissions. And if they can figure out here's where it came from, they know which part of the world is producing it, which part of the world is consuming it. And guess what they can do then? They can tax it. And if they can tax it, it means the governments would have to pay a premium for what was equitable for the mining of the resources. And this led me to the next session, reinventing the wheel. Now, reinventing the wheel was uh, led by a Wall Street journalist and had a Toyota research head and an Uber technologies officer. And they were talking about moving to autonomous vehicles and all electric into the future. And this really, I was something that I was interested in. I wanted to hear what the plan was to go all electric because I do not believe that it's possible. I think that this a pipe dream. You look at California as they've moved to electric, they're now using more fossil fuels. And I, I just, I'm curious what this roadmap looks like to reinvent this wheel to get us there. And so they started off and they allowed the people in the session to say what their biggest issues they felt were to keeping this happening. And the number one thing was affordability followed by accessibility. And then the deep third and fourth was infrastructure and then sustainability. Well, guess what? Toyota got up and they really just completely burst the bubble on the electric car. They really did. If you, if you paid attention to what they were talking about, this is where uh, I think that if you go to this website and you watch the different, um, different sessions, you'll likely understand that not everything that is going on the WEF is a bad conversation. I, I want to point that out for my listeners. If, if you believe everything happening in the WEF is bad for society, I don't believe that's true. I do believe that there's many people that believe that they have the final say for society. That's what's wrong. But some of these people that are giving these talks, I found to be um, really thoughtful um, in what they were presenting. And so this is, this is where I'm going with this. So Toyota said, how do we get to net zero? Well, it's keeping him up at night because, and he puts this graphic up. He says, minimizing carbon accumulation is not possible. It's not possible because the lithium supply within just the next seven years will outpace the demand for it. The mines will not be enough by 2032 and the earth will not have enough lithium to get to where the world's governments are trying to take it. It would take 16 years to just establish the mines and get them open. And then it would take three years to battery development. So we're looking at 19 years before most of the lithium is even able to be accessed. And then even once it's there, if we're moving towards electric vehicles the entire way and getting away from gas, it is not possible. It's impossible. And Toyota was talking about how they're making about three and a half million electric vehicles right now. And they're part of the problem. And so they're trying to figure out can they electrify vehicles in different ways? The battery in the current model is using too much lithium. So now they're looking back, get this, at hybrid. That's right, the gasoline battery blend because they can use the same size battery that they would put in one car, but spread that out over six to eight cars. And when they spread out the battery, they're able to reduce and lower CO2 emissions. It doesn't get them to zero, but it gets them 
much, much lower than where they are now. So now this conversation shifting to, well, you know what? We can't get rid of gasoline. Gasoline's likely here to stay unless we have some other scientific breakthrough, such as utilizing the sodium in the oceans. Um, and the guy says, you know, our bodies use it to do the electrical process, but right now it's not practical to use sodium over lithium in batteries, but maybe science will change. But then I was curious who this other person was. In this reinventing the wheel session, Uber was there. That's right. Everybody's uh, ride share app, right? That people click on in the cities when you want to get somewhere, you get yourself an Uber. It's become uh, a verb. It's become a noun. <laughs> we, we simply use it. It's like, well, how are you going to get there? I'm going to Uber. <laughs> I, I don't know how one Ubers, but I, I'm assuming this is the way Google became uh, serendipitous with what we mean when we say we're going to search something. So Uber's there. And Uber is talking about how their whole focus had been automation and electric, but they've had to stop automation because it's been unreliable. And now they're looking at electric and they know that that's the future, but they need to lobby the governments. This was, <laughs> they didn't say lobby. They said, we need to lean into the governments. We need mandates. So this was a, a little bit of breath of fresh air of honesty to show us that the electric car um, concept, when you get to Uber, when you get to all of these other companies, the lobbying that's going on right now in the governments in order to get agreements, and she, she said they're getting agreements with banks to finance to help the cost of their personal drivers because they see Uber is going to be used more as a personal chauffeur where people get an Uber for the entire day and get rid of their secondary vehicles. The future, they state, will eventually be electric and autonomous. This should scare you. It should scare you. If, if the idea is for you to get rid of your secondary vehicle or even your primary driver and rely on another service, rely on the autonomous vehicle to get where you want to be, what type of rights are you going to give up eventually? What right will you have to travel if there's not a ride share, an autonomous vehicle that's available to you? And if we can't get gas to go away um, and people are giving up these vehicles because they start pricing them out of the ability for everybody to be able to purchase them, you know, where, where are things going to go there? So in the reinventing the wheel thing, you know what they did not address? People's number one concern, affordability. And so sometimes when you're watching these sessions, it's what's not said that's actually the most important part. And so this next session, it's the one that I, I urge everybody to watch. State of the pandemic. It was at nine o'clock on Wednesday. All right. So I know it's Thursday here. You're listening to this, but you got to go back a day to listen to this one. So it's the nine o'clock hour state of the pandemic. Make sure you check this one out. So it starts off <clears throat> laying the groundwork three years ago, the world leaders declared. And then the, the main people that were there is Dr. Michelle Williams. She's the Dean of faculty from Harvard. And she talks about how in the United States right now, there's 526 deaths per day from COVID and nine out of 10 of those deaths she claims can be averted with vaccines. If we practiced better ventilation in our buildings and mask wearing, as well as, you know, getting the vaccine, I guess I did kind of make that statement, but anyway, she said that the whole cost of the pandemic, just the United States is $3.7 trillion. The rest of the panel claimed it costs $15 trillion around the world. 
Here's what's not said as we get into this conversation. They start talking about the misinformation. They start talking about the distrust for science, the rest of the panel. Um, but nobody, nobody wants to talk about what is the other data? What caused the vaccine hesitancy? And so as you watch State of the Pandemic, you'll hear Seth Berkeley. He's part of the Vaccine Alliance. And this guy, what an awesome, uh, you know, job that he has of equity. He's like, you know, I knew that immediately because of the work that he did, I guess, with the AIDS um, pandemic, uh, he said, I knew immediately wealthy countries would have some type of treatment and the countries that were not as advanced would not have any access and people would die. And so he worked to make sure that uh, wealthy countries, while they were developing, they could also get to those with lower incomes. And it took 39 days from the time that the developed world reached the undeveloped world. And that's really pretty fascinating when you think about it. I never uh, took the time to realize, you know, how economics was going to go into the delivery of health, but there's people that are working on that. So regardless of how you feel about the vaccine, I think that the awesome part about this is if there's an opportunity to help the rest of the world, um, it's great to know that there's people that are always thinking about who has less in order to provide for them. But I'll tell you what did not happen. Seth Berkeley, Dr. Williams, uh, Maria Lepton, the president of the European Research Council, none of them addressed the actual effectiveness, right? No one talked about how that might have been effective or not been effective. Maria Lepton goes and says that two countries didn't base their campaign, and she's praising them. She said two countries didn't base their campaign on explaining any science. In fact, she says proudly that they treated it as war. They didn't want citizens to understand the science. So they used the religious establishments in their country to vaccinate everybody. And she once again claims no science was ever explained. She said another country decided to use a war general and make sure that the, the country, they knew they didn't have a choice. They were going to war. Um, but then at the same time of proudly claiming that she has no science being explained, and this was the right attitude to take, she said that most don't understand the uncertainty in science. Well, that's right, Sherlock. If you're not going to explain the science, why would they understand the uncertainty of science in these places? And this is the elitist idea. This is the person who's in charge of the European Research Council, who's telling everybody that the science shouldn't have been explained ever, that we were just supposed to accept it. Now, I will say I was really impressed with Dr. Michelle Williams from Harvard. She then said, no, people expressed hesitancy because the claim followed the science was used and it should never have been used. And I applaud her for standing up to the words of Dr. Fauci. She says, instead, we should have taken the approach of meeting people where they were and then helping them adopt the desirable behavior and feel good about it. Pause. Okay. She had me in the first half, but in the second half, what she says to everybody, I disagree. So we're saying we meet people where they're at, we're going to manipulate them so they feel good about their decision. I think that's wrong. I think you meet people where they're at, and then if they choose a decision that's not the decision that you want, you're okay with it. That's called informed consent. You nitwit. That's where I got a little upset about it. 
It also says that health communicators and sciences need to realize scientific speak and need to stop and engage others to build trust. They said the governance and regulations did not help us, and I agree with that. Um, Berkeley, Seth spoke up and said that the vaccine hesitancy, hesitancy problem was because people looked at the side effects, which stopped people, and it made it politicized. Yeah, that's right, Seth. They looked at the side effects. They looked at the other studies. But then Seth says, and in doing so, they made it politicized. And there were bots on social media putting out misinformation on both sides. And he said the amount of misinformation went to the world too fast to address. But what I like is what he hidden there. He said the amount of misinformation spread from both sides, meaning there is misinformation on the science side and misinformation on the side of this counting the vaccine. That is one of those little admittances of truth. He said that things are getting worse, not better, and scientific debate and political debate has made vaccine uptake low. Williams uh, went on to state that she believed in global health governance and said the WHO has a mandate that far exceeds their budget and they need multilateral agreements around the globe. So they're looking for an infrastructure where the WHO rules over all of health and they need people committed to that. Now, one thing that was kind of a little fact in there I thought was interesting was they said they learned from Ebola in 2014 that it takes eight hours for a threat in one part of the world to be a threat to the entire world. Now, if they knew that in 2014, then in 2019, when this thing broke out in Wuhan, they already knew it was a threat to the entire world after eight hours. That tells me that the world leaders, again, you know, we all, I believe this thing has been proven at this point to be made in the lab. I've listened to the studies research. I've got the papers to prove it. Um, That all stated, it means our leaders were just ignoring that and lying to us. And then the final story for today, and this is one that I'm expecting might go over some people's heads because it went over my head at first until I realized the implications of what this talk was about. It's called Quantum Tipping Point. Uh, Quantum Tipping Point, I believe, was around 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock hour. You're going to have to go back to the programs. Uh, I don't have it logged here. I just have my notes. But if you don't know what quantum computing is, all right, I, I, I want you to think about what is computing in general. Computing in general, like the computer that you're listening to this through or the device you're listening to this through, my voice is a series of one and zeros. And they're put into a script digitally. And then when it reads it back, it can transcribe the wave, it can transcribe the images that you see on the screen, the text that you see. And those ones and zeros uh, give back the intent of what I typed. Quantum computers, however, they perform calculations based on a probability of the state before it's ever even measured. And so they have uh, the potential to process exponential more data compared to any classical computers. We're not talking about supercomputers. I want to make that very clear. Supercomputers are computers still using ones and zeros. And while they're very powerful, they do not have the ability to do what quantum computing can do. Quantum computing has the ability to look at quantum entanglement. And if you listen to this talk, it scares me completely. It says the general purpose of this technology should be to revolutionize banking, energy, and information. However, with quantum, they're now discovering new science. They're able to observe the brain in real time, meaning they can see 
your thoughts with quantum computing. I'm not making this up. You can, you can go into this. I know this sounds absolutely crazy, but quantum computing, because it goes into the theory of entanglement, they can look at communications that's unlike anything we can imagine right now because we can observe communications before it happens. Think about that. We know what somebody's about to think before it even happens. It's like minority report type stuff from the movies, right? And they even say in this talk, this can be used for bad or for good. Now, they also state that the technology is not quite there. They're still developing it. I want to ask, if you're a billionaire at the WEF and you need to know how people are thinking, you need to know how the who is going to get the overall thought process for everybody together. You want to know what's going to happen into the future. If you already can invest your billions of dollars together with all these other individuals, not only will you have the most powerful machine ever created, but you will also have information completely before it happens. You can control and predict the events of the future. And this, my friends, is why you need to start paying attention to the WEF. You shouldn't just say this is an evil uh, organization. You should be in tune with what's being talked about because these are just four of the conversations out of literally close to 80 conversations just in one day. I hope that this made the case for you to start watching this. I'll report back tomorrow with what I see happening on uh, Thursday. So on Friday's show, I'll wrap up the WEF and give you some takeaways. I hope that I honored your time well, gave you some food for thought. If you want to discuss any of this with me, go reach me on Twitter at RealGregBolden, America Emboldened on all socials. And you can also go to my website, AmericaEmboldened.com. Hope that you guys all have a wonderful day. Thank you for your time. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. Thank you.